Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. I'm here to tell you about Bolin Branch sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. They're made from the rarest organic cotton and designed to get even softer over time. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee plus 15% off your first order with code Odyssey. So head to b o l l and branch.com today. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Zero episode 45 starts now. I'm your host, Brandon Davis. I am joined today by Adam Barnhart. What's going on, everybody? BD, you uh, okay, man? What's, what's going on there? What was... <laughs> I just want to make sure everything's okay. Every time okay. the show starts, just something, something comes over, man, and, and nobody knows what's going to happen. Nobody can control it. We also have Jenna Anderson in the virtual building. Hey, everybody. Yeah, BD doesn't know how to do intros anymore, and that's honestly half of the fun. <laughs> Yeah, it's true. I've just lost all control. Uh, welcome to episode 45. This is a big, super chunky episode. We love a chunky boy on this show. Uh, thank you, everybody, for agreeing that we should push the quarantine watch party of The Amazing Spider-Man 2 to next week. I don't know if you guys knew, but something was going on last night, uh, and we didn't want to miss that. Uh, Aaron is not here today. He's out getting COVID tested, so he can come to the Hawkeye premiere slash fan event tonight. Uh, and so that's exciting. He just, just go get a test. He's okay. We have no reason to believe he's not okay, but he's just got to get that negative test so he can get in the doors. Uh, we are going to talk all about that Spider-Man trailer, but we're going to save it for later in the show because this first half of the show, we have a very special guest. I'm very, very excited to welcome to the show. Legendary Marvel Studios concept artist, Andy Park is here. Andy. Hey, <laughs> how's it going? <laughs> welcome to the show. Welcome to phase zero. Thank you for hanging with us. Thanks for having me. Nice to meet all of, of you. It is it is our absolute pleasure. Um, uh, first of all, we like to welcome our guests with a, a good icebreaker, uh, but you get lucky. You're kind of off the hook here because sometimes we put people on the spot, make them weigh in on whose side they're on on Civil War and things that really get people <laughs> divided. But instead, I want to hear your thoughts on the Spider-Man trailer. <laughs> what was, was it like watching that? something happened yesterday yeah oh man oh man um it was awesome right it was awesome i mean i've you know that's one of the the crazy things about working in in marvel studios you know for the past over a decade like i know all the secrets (laughs) and you know I, i get to see this you know i know about these things years in advance and so you know, I was just so excited for everyone to finally start seeing stuff. And um, yeah, that trailer was very, very, very exciting. And I, I can't wait. I can't wait for December. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, man. You, uh, so you, you're still able to get excited about that stuff, even though you know about it, right? Like when you see that, like it's still you still look forward to it, right? I do, especially not only because, you know, these projects are just so fun to work on, but um, at heart, I'm a comic book fan. You know, I grew up in the eighties and nineties and I, that's when I fell in love with Marvel comics in particular. So I was reading, you know, Iron Man and Avengers, West coast Avengers and X-Men and, you know, all those, all Thor, all those books in the eighties and nineties. So, you know, it, it, deep in my heart, I have a love for Marvel, even if I wasn't working here, but then obviously working here for the past 11 and a half years, you know, just solidified even more my love for these characters. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And well, you've, your, your love comes through in a lot of the designs that we're going to talk about in this interview with you. Um, but I want to start at the beginning before I hand it over to Jenna and Adam a bit. Uh, I, you know, 
when you first started your journey with Marvel, that was back for 2011's Thor movie, if I'm not mistaken. That was your first Marvel Studios project that you did any work for. Uh, I'd love to hear, you know, joining the Marvel family. Uh, you know, how, how did you come to be a part of Marvel? What would you say your role is just so the audience could get to know you if they, for some reason, I don't know how they couldn't. You're a legend in the space, but, you know, I'd love to hear the beginning of the journey, what it was like and how different it is to what it's like, you know, what it's like now. Yeah, that was, it was 2010. Um, I got hired by Ryan Minerding and uh, Charlie Wynn. So back then, those two, um, Ryan in particular, was very integral in the very beginning. If you've seen that, if you've gotten the, the new book, the story of Marvel Studios, you'll read all about it, that journey. But Ryan was there from the beginning on um, Iron Man, um, helping to come up the look and feel of that, the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe, right? And then he was integral on Captain America. And then around when Thor came, um, that project was um, starting pre-production, Ryan uh, recommended Charlie Wen. He came in, was integral in that um, movie and the design work of that whole look and feel of that part of the MCU. And then around that time, they're about to start um, the Avengers. So that's when um, the, the leadership of Marvel came to them and said, hey, you, you, know, you guys have been so integral in these early uh, movies. The idea of having a full-time group of artists, let's do that. Because in film, normally artists aren't full-time for any studio. They're, they're hired as freelancers. So they get hired for a project. Once they're done with that, they leave and they, have, they look for another job. But this was a situation where Marvel Studios was essentially like a startup, right? They're like, let's, you know, we're creating something that's kind of unprecedented in, in film history, you know, with this whole connected um, universe. So let, let's have an in-house group of artists that can work for years, you know, from, from now till, you know, for years ahead. So see however long this whole experiment will last, right? So, you know, I, I got to work with Charlie and Ryan on the God of War series in video games for Sony. And that's how where we all got to know each other. And right around the time, around 2010, when they're, they were going to form a team, you know, I was the first one they hired. They brought me on. I remember getting that call. And, um, you know, they both knew I was like a hardcore Marvel, you know, Marvel fan. Right. So that was that was that dream call that I got from Charlie. And, uh, yeah, there was no hesitation. Well, a little, little, little hesitation only because I just, you know, got a daughter. You know, me and my wife had a daughter at that time. I had a very stable, good job at Sony. So film is inherently a little bit more unstable. You know, you never know. I can get hired for Avengers. I would fail and then I'd be out of a job. But yeah, I only hesitated for a second. Out. Yeah. So it's been 11 and a half years. Um, about 2015 is when I got promoted to start leading the film. So me and Ryan, um, you know, were leading the films from that point on. And, um, you know, my title is Director of Visual Development. And it's been an insane journey that I would never, never, never have predicted when I first got hired, you know, that, uh, over a decade ago. So it's, it's been an insane ride, but it's been fun to <laughs> experience and to, yeah, yeah. I love hearing these parts of the story. That's so yeah. cool. So um, since you've worked for, at, at Marvel for so long, was everything as secretive when you initially started on Thor and Avengers 1 as it is now? It was... Yeah, it's, I think it's always been secretive. It's probably like, you know, obviously it's gotten so much bigger, right? The fandom, there's always fans, even from the first Iron Man, but, um, you know, we're, we're 
we were just in Endgame, like that level of secrecy is just insane because there's too many like spoilers. Um, back when I first started, there's still a lot of secrecy because Avengers was huge, right? Like leading up to that, like already with the first Iron Man, Robert Downey Jr., you know, they they came onto the scene and bam, Marvel Studios and this whole comic book resurgence that they, they've created, like it was, it was huge. So yeah, I think there's always been a lot of secrecy, you know, definitely. Right, right. Uh, you, you just mentioned how much of a comic book fan you were, right? Uh, how do you strike a balance between something you see on a comic book page and transform them into their live action counterpart? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting because I encounter some people who aren't familiar with, you know, or interested in comic books so much, and they're like, "Oh, you work on at Marvel, like, so what? What? Why does? Why do you have to design stuff? It's already designed, <laughs> you know, Jack Kirby, um, you know, all the artists throughout the decades. But um, you know, that's what our job is. Our job is to translate, um, to start with the source material, which is the amazing designs and. Um, the characters from Jack Kirby, Steve Ditko, like through the decades, all the hundreds of artists that have contributed to all the different looks. But then it's not just trying to take that, oh, make it look real. You know, there's an element of that, but there's also, you know, what is the story that we're trying to tell? Because the stories that the MCU have been telling are not one-to-one direct translations, right? Like Captain America Civil War is loosely based off Civil War, but it's a very different story, right? It's not about identities and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, the, so every time we introduce a new character, you know, the conversation has to start obviously with the director looking at the script, you know? So when I'm designing Ant-Man, you know, th- that his, the, the MCU's origin of Ant-Man is, is, is different than, you know, the comic book um, origins and, and the fact that we're going to be doing more focused on Scott Lang and all that kind of stuff. So we're, we're, we're trying to find that balance. And so when we're doing this designs, we do a range, you know, a lot of times the, the one that you see on screen is there has been, you know, sometimes hundreds of versions of that one design, not always hundreds, might be at least dozens, right? So we'll do versions that are very much al- aligned with the comic books source material. And then we'll start veering away to like, you know, a little bit more grounded. And then a lot of times, you know, d- d- depending on the direction of the director or the producers, we'll do versions that are quite different and then with, for me, so there's always like, you know, for our department, the visual development department, a lot of times we'll do like multiple versions, right? We'll do one that's like, okay, this is what fans, you know, most likely know. They want the comic accurate. So here, here's that, you know, the director's asking for this. Sometimes it leans towards that. Sometimes it leans a little farther away. And so we'll give the full range. And that's what our department is there for because then it creates discussions amongst Kevin Feige, the producers, um, the director, and then they start discussing, you know, where, where in this range do they want to kind of land on these char- characters' visuals. So it's, it's, it's an interesting uh, journey that's not as uh, simple as just like, you know, take the comic and bam, you know, turn up the real button. it's it's super interesting too because i mean you're working for marvel studios now but your roots are in comics right i think some of your earliest work you were you did like a tomb raider issue that was like the highest selling comic of 98 or whatever but then you started working with marvel comics right and you're working Mm -hmm. on the x family you're doing excalibur you're doing even uncanny x-men at the time Mm -hmm. i as of last week we know x-men 97 is coming on and the live action x-men are coming at some point 
Have you had mm-hmm. a chance to start reimagining these characters for live action yet? No, 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 not yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything is just totally interesting because, you know, like, I did get started in comics. I got hired by a guy named Rob, Rob Liefeld. You might mm-hmm. be familiar with that name. <laughs> Friends of the show. Yeah, yeah. He's the, he's the guy who first gave me my chance when I was 19 years old. You know, I dropped out wow. of UCLA because he offered me an internship at Extreme Studios, his division of Image Comics. <laughs> And then worked mm-hmm. for Mark Silvestri on the Tomb Raider, as you mentioned, and then got to work for, yeah, the X-Men office for uh, Marvel Comics. So back then, did Rob Liefeld have all the same energy that he has now, or was there somehow more? <laughs> because when you talk to Rob Liefeld, he is 110 all the time. Yeah, yeah. No, he's he's always <laughs> been that that guy. So, so excited, um, you know. Um, yeah, he, he was a young, young, That's I funny. think... Yeah, he was, I don't know how old he was. He probably still in his 20s when he was my boss, right? Maybe. So, yeah. you know, young guy he's, who was he's, famous and rich. And <laughs> <laughs> it was a crazy time. The whole bullpen was full of, you know, early 20-year-olds, you know. So, it was, a, it was a strange, like, um, club that, you know. Yeah, what, yeah, a, time, was, what a time to be over there insane. at Marvel, man. That's amazing. It's like awesome um you've done you've done so much i mean you're 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 the work you've done i mean i think i feel you have your hands in pretty much every project now but i've looked i looked so deep into concept art that you've done while i was preparing to talk to you today and i I, i'm a huge fan of civil war and i remember that felt like at the time the biggest movie marvel had done and then infinity war and endgame came and when you work on films like that like your art incorporates so many characters on one page and i'm curious like do you prefer doing those designs that are like those huge action beats with everybody in it, or do you like to get to do the more intimate details, like, like small detail oriented, like costume designs. Uh, and is one of them more challenging than the other? Um, I think, I think the uh, yeah, cause our, our job is, is, has two components. One side is the character design, right? So a lot of times it's the costume, or if it's a CG character, so designing. And then the other side is the keyframe illustrations, which you're talking about, which are essentially like comic book splash pages, right? But mm-hmm. we're kind of translating what is that, what can that moment look like in reality for the film, right? Like when I was working on um, the first Avengers for, um, with, with Joss Whedon, you know, and he talked about that moment when Iron Man first blasts Loki and then all his weapons deploy. He mentioned it was like the Dilapasaurus moment in uh, Jurassic Park. Um, but I, to answer your question, I think the, the character design is, is definitely harder because it's just, you know, there's so many components. It's, doing a design is one thing. That part is like fun, not that difficult. Bless you. <laughs> but, the, but, the, but the hardest part is because you're not, I, I'm not just designing it for myself. You know, if I can just do one design, be like, oh, yeah. I like this design of whoever, the Scarlet Witch, that's that's not that hard. But the fact is I'm trying to find, you know, the design for a director, but not only the director, if it was just one person, that'd be easier too. But, you know, every producer and every everybody has to agree that's the design. So, you know, there's not always a you know, consensus of mm-hmm. like an agreement. So that's why for any one design that you see on screen, it takes like months, you know, or just what one yeah. costume or one helmet or it's so much work. So that, that one's definitely harder versus the keyframes when we're doing like those, you know, splash pages or the civil war, like you mentioned fight scenes or that stuff is just fun. Cause then it, that really brings me back to my comic book roots where I'm like, this is essentially like 
a cover that I'm, I'm painting, except, you know, in widescreen format rather than vertical. <laughs> I'm fortunate enough to have a couple of the Comic-Con prints uh, mm. of your work at home. Yeah. If I was yeah, at home, I'd, show, I'd prove it right now, but I was, <laughs> 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 I'm in a hotel room. <laughs> yeah, those are especially fun, you know, definitely doing those posters and the, and the art book covers. Those are fun, too. So over the course of the MCU and over your tenure at the MCU, it feels like the movies have gotten a lot more cosmic and colorful and kind of um, outlandish in the things that they're presenting. What has that been like while still trying to keep the tenets and the design aspects of where the MCU started in phase one? Um, yeah, I think it's just a, it's an evolution, right? Like um, you start off with very grounded science based, you know, Iron Man and um, Captain America. But, you know, very quickly we jumped into Thor you know, so I, I, I barely worked on Thor, but, um, and then, you know, of course, Avengers has a cosmic element because, you know, all the Chitauri and, you know, I was do, I, uh, doing the, doing designs on Thanos. And as well as I designed that, um, his, his little minion called the, I forgot what it's called, maybe the other, that one guy who got his head mm -hmm. snapped by a yeah. Ronin <laughs> later on. Um, but yeah. And then soon after that, we jumped onto Guardian. So already like, bam, deep into the cosmic, um, going back and forth. Then you go to Ant-Man, you know, Dr. Strange brings in um, the mystical, magical. And then, you know, recently with Shang-Chi, then you have that whole element, you know, that whole dimension uh, with Taolo and dragons. Um, so I don't know. I think that's part of the benefit of having our group because we're, we've been there from the beginning essentially. And, um, it's just, it's just a natural, you know, we're doing designs, we're aware of everything before, you know, and we're, we're constantly expanding and growing this universe. So I think it's, it's just a natural evolution, but, um, yeah, it doesn't require much research because we already know it. <laughs> we were there for each of the films. I actually saw a really interesting question that just came by, and this is something I'm genuinely curious about because I don't know how these how these all work. But Edwin J on Facebook asked, "Were you involved with Venom? Like, did the Marvel Studios team mm -hmm. have a hand in that? Or did they do they like the Sony just hired their own people for their their Marvel movies?" Yeah, that's a that was a Sony film, so we didn't have anything right. to do with that. Yeah, just the, just the Spider Man films, which Ryan Minard and he he leads those films. He does a great job. Yeah. Right. Andy, you've worked on uh, so many films. I think we each have everyone on this list or on this chat has as a bucket list of some sort. So you're going to have to dig deep <laughs> with this. But is there one character you've yet to paint a professional setting for Marvel Studios you haven't got to put your hands on yet? A character that I haven't that, worked on? Or that yeah, I that you haven't to? worked on that you need to, yes. Oh, that I need <laughs> that to? You need, <laughs> not want. Need, yes. No, need <laughs> is a good word. Need is a good word. Um, uh, I, I mentioned in my, I guess my intro, like when I was talking about my comic book roots. Um, so the, the main ones that I, I've loved that reason why I got into comics was started with Iron Man and in particular Iron Man number 200, which was the introduction of the silver centurion suit, okay. you know, uh, drawn by Mar uh, Mark Bright designed by Bob Layton. And I got to design that suit for Iron Man three albeit for like a second and it gets destroyed. <laughs> but um, that was, you know, one of those huge moments where like, holy crap. Um, have they made that so, one in Hot Toys yet? Do you have that? Do they? Yes, you that's, to, front, that's front and center, here? right where my finger is. <laughs> yeah, awesome. that's so cool. So at least this that's gets so immortalized cool. in toy form, even though in the, in the movie, 
it was nighttime. You barely saw it, and then it gets destroyed really fast. But um, hey, I'll, I'll take it. So that was a huge one. Um, uh, another one that I grew up with that I just loved, absolutely loved, was West Coast Avengers. Mm -hmm. um, and mainly I got into that because of that Iron Man Silver Centurion suit was in that suit, uh, in that team. So, you know, characters like Hawkeye. So, you know, I got to design Hawkeye through the years, right? Mm -hmm. So that's been great, albeit again, not the, you know, the classic purple um, mask look, mm -hmm. but that just was didn't fit to like what the MCU was doing. Um, and then eventually, yeah, I, I did read a lot of Thor stuff, you know, Walter Simonson stuff. Um, but as I, then I became a teen, as I got older, like X-Men became like my thing or I was like, this is more mature, a little, you know, darker and more my tastes. Right. So yeah, pretty much all of that. And Excalibur, Excalibur, you know, Alan Davis, Chris Claremont. Oh my gosh. So pretty much anyone in those worlds, um, Give them to me, please. <laughs> we get to see what you guys do with X-Men because there's a, a lot of the costumes in the MCU, especially now that the audience trusts Marvel and will accept things and we can have a talking tree and a raccoon. You guys can get away with comic book accurate looks. I no, can't wait to see what you guys do. I know Adam was hoping you'd say like Iron Fist and meanwhile, yes. Jim in the comments is like, give us some Moon Knight insight, but Moon Knight's already coming. What? Like the question was, you know? <laughs> so, they they uh, just want spoilers, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that, you know. Uh, yep. we, we respect it, you know. Uh, Jenna, sorry, you, want, you ask for spoilers, but you don't really want it. It's one of those. <laughs> exactly. yeah, keep them, keep yeah. the surprises, please. Yes, yeah, yeah. I don't even tell my friends or my family because I want them to experience it. You know, <laughs> to, even, I'll even tell you inside, to watch the even, Hawkeye. Go ahead. What? What is that? To, to watch the Hawkeye episodes, they have like a new NDA, and I had to be like, it, "It's yeah. like you will watch this alone, no one in the room. You will close the windows." <laughs> you know, yep. Stuff. Yep. So yep. I imagine what you guys go through over there to make sure nobody finds out. Totally, and then you know we're so like, "Oh my gosh, I want to like share, talk about this, right?" So obviously, we can only talk about amongst each other. You know, me and the other biz dev artists, we talk about all the time. Oh my gosh, you know what's gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> It's insane. Like, especially imagine like Endgame, Infinity War, all that stuff. Once I found out no. all that stuff, I was like, oh my Lord, this is <laughs> insanity. This is, I cannot wait. Yeah. So kind of going off of like the secrets of it all, how many characters would you say that you and your team designed per movie that don't end up actually making it into the movie? Oh, geez. Design wise. Mm -hmm. Oh gosh. I mean, that's definitely in the hundreds, you know, definitely several hundreds because, you know, it's not just myself. Like I have a whole, we have a whole team of artists, right? So for any given film, it could be from eight till eight to 20 artists, you know, and that's just within our team. You know, then there's also like the other departments, like the costume department, the art department. Um, so yeah, yeah, I would say hundreds of designs because you know every for each character there's at least you know um, several dozen, and some characters even go go can go into the hundreds. You know, and in particular, I remember for Thor: The Dark World, to try to find the dark elves. You know, we, between myself, Charlie, and Justin Sweet, we did over 300 designs, you know, just for that one look. Wow. No, I, I, have a, I have a very important question. It's very dear to me. Um, I know that my boy Richard Ryder has been cut from so many scripts. He has been <laughs> in scripts and then has simultaneously not made it into the movie. Uh, 
is I know you actually the new God of War artist on the new movies uh, or on the new games, uh, Raf Raf Grissetti, yeah, uh, has has done an awesome the, the the most viral version of a live action Nova. Andy, are you guys are you guys have you guys ever made it? God, has Nova ever made it to a design phase and then still not made it? uh oh man how do i answer that no (laughs) (laughs) when he does be ready to put my face on it okay yeah yeah yeah. we'll we'll do one my left yeah give my left leg to you (laughs) i have two kidneys for a reason if you need one uh (laughs) that's been your favorite character oh i can't i cannot wait to see I, i will take sam alexander or Richard Ryder. I think Sam Alexander fits what the MCU does really well because I think it's kind of like a, a Peter Parker energy, high school, like young mm. superhero. We can get like more representation in the MCU, but Richard Ryder is just, I mean, he's so yeah. cool. Like, I, I love the world mind. I love, you know, come on. I'm, I'm ready to see Richard in yep. the MCU yep. one of these days. Yep. Well, you got to cosplay it at least, right? I, I got the helmet. I got uh, so the Franklin uh, Bill gave me a, a 3D printed helmet. And I thought about wearing it to the Eternals premiere and being like, hey, Kev, look how good I look in this helmet. Um, I'll bring it. <laughs> but, but I think every time Kevin Feige sees me, he gives me a, a glare of like, don't even, don't, don't, <laughs> don't bring it up. It. <laughs> One nice. day. Hey, work for Simu. Exactly. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. The the magic of Twitter. Andy, you said there were there's hundreds of pieces done for characters or designs and stuff. And art's really a vulnerable type thing, right? And you've done so much work for Marvel. By now, if a, a director or producer comes back to you and says, This thing needs tweaked or this thing needs tweaked, I mean, is it are you at the point where you can brush it off? I mean, do you get personally impacted at all with all the little tweaks and stuff? I mean, how do you deal with that? aspect of it all oh man i mean that's my that's my job like Mm -hmm. you know we can't be so like precious with it because at the end of the day it's you know it's not my design you know it's (laughs) like it's it's a collaboration right um so it's and and i'm trying to find the vision of that director along with of course kevin feige so there's just that's every single week we have meetings with these directors, you know, with all the heads of the departments It's very intimidating. And then we show all the stuff on the screen and we just click through the images and they, they can say whatever they want. So they can like make fun of it. They can be like, that looks ridiculous. You know, they can do, say, that's awesome. I like this. I like that. You know, and it's, it's, it's never a one and done just like, Oh, there it is. Even after it gets approved, you know, then the challenge is, you know, working with a costume designer and trying to get that, 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 design that's you know either a painting or 3d model onto an actor right if it's not a cg character Mm -hmm. um and then that you know they have such a challenging job i have so much respect for what they do because they have to translate that onto a real human and not only it's one thing to be able to translate it on a person but to be able to perform and move and raise their arms and you know be comfortable so we're so i'm part of that process too where you know we go to the fittings and you know remember going putting the helmet first time on Brie Larson for Captain Marvel. And, you know, it's, man, those, they're never comfortable, right? Because right. we're trying to get these things as tight as possible to the head. Because if not, it ends up looking like a bobblehead, right? Yeah. And it's kind of funny when you see it in real life. So um, it's challenging. And then there's like things that we have to change even in, during that stage of the um, of the of a movie making process. So it's uh, it's all a challenge and you have to, mm-hmm not 
you have to hold it loosely. You know, you're still trying to like maintain like uh, integrity of the design, all that kind of stuff. And, um, but there's, a, there's so many back, there's so much back and forth and conversations with directors. So things can change and, um, you have to be ready, ready to, you know, roll with those punches and make those changes. And still my job is to try to figure out what is the best design with all the, you know, ramifications, all the different, like, um, yeah, opinions. So that's, that's where my job lies. I just want to point out how casual it sounded to be in the room when Brie Larson put the Captain Marvel helmet on for the first time. Like, it's never here. Oh, so, man. That's so cool. You probably see it's, some epic yeah. moments, man. That's so cool. I'm so glad that I still haven't gotten through that Marvel Studios book. I, I, I've been slow. There's so much to take in. I love how Marvel is kind of giving us a window into what goes on over there because it does seem like there's some cool stuff. Uh, before we're winding down here, uh, so we do have some characters that you've worked on recently that we want to talk about. And I want to start with Scarlet Witch. For WandaVision, we get like a full-on Scarlet Witch costume by the end of the show. You've designed several iterations of outfits for Wanda that Elizabeth Olsen has then gone on to wear. Uh, I'd love to hear about maintaining that through line. And I know WandaVision had to collaborate at least a little bit with Sam Raimi and the team on Strange 2. Like, what? I mean, what's it like to... Raimi's a legend in the space. Spider-Man and now Strange. Like, what was it like to establish that through line, which includes going on to, you know, a movie from a show? That's also the first time that's happening. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was great. The first time, you know, uh, I was told Joss Whedon, like uh, Avengers Age of Ultron, you know, start doing designs for uh, Scarlet Witch. So I was like, yes, right? Because, you know, because she was in West Coast Avengers. So was one of my favorites. Um, but then quickly, you know, I was told no superhero costume. And I was like, no, <laughs> because, you know, as a fan, like I want to see them in like, yeah, I like the more ca- comic accurate stuff, right? Um, but of course that's, that wasn't her story. Right. So that's why we veered away from that and just ha- played with more real world kind of jackets and just costumes, skirts and all that kind of stuff. Um, but then of course, just trying to infuse some nods to the comic, of course, the color red and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then of course, civil war, you know, be able to redesign her. Um, so trying to, Oh, actually at the end of, Age of Ultron, then she, she did kind of wear like a more of a costume. So, you know, doing that design and then in Civil War, revisiting the design. Um, but still, it still they still wanted to maintain it in that more real world look. So I'm like, okay, that's fine. It's cool. It's a cool jacket. And, you know, people tend to like really love cosplaying <laughs> that look. So I was like, oh, that's cool. You know, because it is a little, I guess, easier to cosplay <laughs> as a jacket. Right. But, you know, I still miss the crown. So I remember even on civil war, I was like, oh, I know that there's no reason to do a crown, but at least I'm going to try doing like a headband that alludes to, you know, that kind of thing, knowing that the Russo brothers are going to be like, nice try. Um, <laughs> so that's why when, you know, I was approached that, you know, we're going to be doing Disney plus shows and then WandaVision. That was the first one where I was able to lead that show. And then she, they told me that she's going to be wearing her, you know, her costumes. I was like, Oh my gosh. And she's going to have a crown and everything. So yeah, that was just fun. And I can't wait for the art book to come out. Um, which was kind of just sort of announced as coming out, I think in February, somewhere around there. And I just posted the the cover that I did or at least one half of it on my Instagram. But, um, yeah, just to, to go full on, you know, more, I mean, it's not like full on hundred percent comic accurate, but the, at least a full on costume. I did versions that are, you know, 
all different versions, which you'll see. And then, of course, doing the crown. And there are even questions about the crown. You know, is it just going to be a CG crown, like, like just effects, or is it going to be a physical looking crown? And of course, I'm like, physical. Okay, I want it. I don't want it just to be a glowing thing, right? I want it to be like you could see it on her. Um, so yeah, yeah. And then eventually, you know, we're going to see her again. You know, as you mentioned, Sam Raimi, Doctor Strange, multi, multi multiverse of madness. That was called. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it's always fun. It's a little be, movie. Uh, yeah, to see the the journey and to be able to do these designs um, and then iteration after iteration because you know we're seeing. It's not just a look, but we're, you know, I'm fully aware of obviously her journey as a character and therefore that'll influence, you know, why she's wearing what she's wearing. So yeah, that's, that's part of the, the joy and satisfaction of being able to work on these characters, you know? Yeah. You guys knocked it out with that one. Thanks. Absolutely. More recently, you, you worked on Shang-Chi, right? And he's a, a brand new character to the MCU and he gets a super suit in his very first movie. It might not have like the bells and whistles of nanotech and all that stuff, but how did you make sure when you're designing this character, I'd love to know your process about not only keeping it semi-comic accurate with like the red colors and what Shang-Chi is known for, but while also, you know, honoring the culture and updating it for a whole new generation. Yeah. Shang-Chi was an interesting one. N- n- it was a challenge because, um, you know, the source material, you know, what the original Shang-Chi, like he's pre- pretty much like a very Bruce Lee look where he's mm-hmm. essentially shirtless, <laughs> right? And, or, or he's wearing just like more like martial arts, kung fu gear, right? Um, and then the more modern stuff has like more of a jumpsuit, which is definitely, you know, in- inspired by Bruce Lee again. So we had a little bit more room to kind of figure out what, what is this super suit, right? And even because we're there from the beginning, a lot of times we start working on these movies even before there's a director or there's casting. So, you know, I was doing designs, not knowing exactly what is this suit that he's wearing? Is it just literally a Kung Fu outfit that he's wearing? You know, so, and then what is the story? So I did, I was, I did the full exploration of like, you know, doing a deep dive into, you know, Chinese culture to to, the, the fashion, um, things that are more historic um, and then knowing in the story eventually that he's going to be spending a significant time in America. So um, I did a lot of versions that were more urban, more contemporary stuff that, you know, like almost like this, like, you know, Mm -hmm. things that you can just wear down the streets of LA, um, that kind of thing. And then as the story started getting developed, as we started having more and more discussions with Destin, uh, the, the director and of course, Kevin and producer, Jonathan Schwartz. Um, that's when we started honing down on what this suit is. And then the whole idea of Tao Lo, um, the dragon, I was like, Oh, there's going to be a dragon in this movie. Awesome. And then that's where the ideas of like, okay, dragon skin, dragon scales, having that, uh, mystical quality. So it's essentially an armored suit, but it doesn't look or feel like an armored suit because of the mystical qualities. And then, you know, the idea of the, eternal knot symbol that I, that I, I had that idea of um, because that's something, a symbol that's been used a lot in uh, Chinese culture. Um, and then down to the rings, you know, that he had on his arms, you know, eventually, like I knew that was going to happen obviously. Um, and then, you know, the idea of the shoes I know that's, there's been a lot of, I've seen a lot of stuff online where it's like, what, what's up with the shoes? And I was like, well, that's intentional. Like, you know, the idea was that he, he's a product of his whole history, his whole story, you know, his, his 
the majority of suit is given to him by his mom. He's a product of his mom. He's a product of his dad. At the end of the movie, the dad gives him the rings. And then he's also a product of his time in the West, in America. So the shoes is something where it's not canon, but in my mind, when I was designing, I was like, okay, maybe they gave, they gave him some Taolo shoes. And then he was like, you know what? Can I keep, I'm very particular to my, these shoes. You know, can I keep these shoes, which happen to be Air Jordans? Um, so that's kind of his whole story in his whole, whole suit. Uh, so, so yeah, that's kind of the journey of Shang-Chi's visual look. That's so interesting. So um, you also designed the first image that we saw of Haley Steinfeld's Kate Bishop before we even knew that Haley was going to play the part. Did you design that with her in mind or was it just kind of a general design just to present to the public? Yeah, it was a non-descript, just, yeah. There, there no specific actor like back at that time because it was so early on. Um, I was doing some early stuff leading that film early on, but then very, you know, very quickly, Rodney Fontabella, who's, who's, who got promoted to a visuals, uh, visual development supervisor, he led that film. And then, um, so the final design is not the design that you saw, but that was just like an initial like proof of concept. You know, just, we do that a lot, right? Doing very early on um, concepts and images to kind of get everyone excited. I did that other one that you might've seen where Hawkeye and, um, well, I guess both Hawkeye's <laughs> Kate Bishop, they're in a, the car that charger the dodge charger is that what it is yeah in the streets the of uh, yeah. la yeah <laughs> yeah that was good. do you think uh like a lot of it seems a lot of actors are don't love the idea of wearing a like the like a hawkeye mask uh did, did you guys <laughs> was have you ever was that ever, like i know some of that is also probably determined by the fact that it might just not be accepted by the audience so you got to find the look that is consistent with you know these characters in the world there uh, inhabiting, but did you guys ever try, do you think like comics as a result might even just start going away from masks like that as a result of like anticipating a character getting into a film? I hope not. I hope not. Cause I, I Me love too. masks. Right. And for Hawkeye, like through the years we've, I've done um, a lot of more, it's more, they're more, they're not like the Hawkeye full on, but they're goggles. I've done a lot of goggle or mm. kind of sunglasses, like there, there was talk of that, like there would be, you know, there would be some tech involved. So, so I did that for Joss Whedon on the first Avengers. I did it for Age of Ultron, tons of different goggles. And, I, you know, I try to allude a little bit to the, you know, the comic look. Um, so, yeah, I think we're always doing masks. I, anytime a character has a mask, it's, it's like it just feels more comic, you know, like, wow, that's they're a superhero. But the great thing about the MCU and reason, reason why Logically, just speaking, it, which is a great thing from the very first Iron Man, you know, what was his final line that Tony Stark said, I am Iron Man. I, I thought that was a genius move because they, before that, up until that point, every single comic book movie, whether it's on TV or, in, you know, cartoon or in the comics or in film was always about secret identities and always about, you know, if my enemies knew that I was, you know, who I was and my loved ones would not be safe. It's always the same trope, right? So once Iron Man did that, that it got rid of that, that every single movie has to be about, you know, look, look, I take off my glasses. Like, oh, oh, oh you're that character. <laughs> you know, it's like, it doesn't have to be about that anymore. So in the MCU, like there's the only, the only ones that have secret identity right now, there, oh, there's only a few, right? Like Spider-Man, well, I guess right now, I guess he's not, I guess everyone knows who he is, right? Um, yeah. He, in, the, in, the, in the MCU, but story-wise, he was 
is one of the few that actually has a secret identity. Yeah, I'd like to see Kate Bishop try to maintain that throughout Hawk. I will see if that works for her. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, that's a good point. The secret identity thing is uh, an interesting thing that we've talked about on the show quite a bit about how the MCU has kind of done away with it and it, maybe it's time for it to start coming back, you know? Uh, mm. But all right, so we got to let you go. I want to I wanna wrap this up by asking you, you know, of all the projects that we haven't had a chance to see yet, but you, you know, you've had your hands in, which ones for for your work and the way your work is being translated into this onto the screen onto these actors by these amazing filmmakers? You know, what are you most excited for the world to finally feast their eyes on? Yeah, yeah, I, I was so happy because this year finally, because of COVID, everything uh, it was so such a long wait, right? Because you know, I, I, the the films that I've led and worked on, you know, Black Widow finally came out, WandaVision, you know, came out, and then Shang Chi came out this year, so it was a very exciting year. Next, um, in the coming years, um, Thor, Love and Thunder, you know, yeah. with, with Taika, like, um, and then um, the Marvels with Nia DaCosta. And then we got Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania with Peyton Reed. And then uh, James Gunn, Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3. I, 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 I can't pick like one, <laughs> but those That's are the fair. ones that, you know, that I've, I've led those projects. And I'm just excited for each of them for different reasons, but they're all you know, hopefully going to be amazing. Man, it had to be exciting to finally design Warlock and know who's going to be it, right? You know, to know who's playing it. Yeah, it's so hard to like... Yeah, yeah, I won't put you on the spot any further. I, I hear you. Well, we, we share your excitement. And Andy, you have been a tremendous guest. I'm reading the comments as they go by. Everybody's really enjoying this. That includes the three of us here uh, hosting Phase Zero. You're, you're a legend in this space. Uh, it's a privilege to get to hear your insight. And uh, you're welcome back on the show anytime you want because – we could have done this for with you till till Thursday of next week. <laughs> so so uh, totally. we're gonna we're gonna let you go. And everybody, when we come back, we're gonna dive into that Spider Man No Way Home trailer. We're gonna talk all about it. Uh, but again, Andy, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thanks so much, and have fun talking about Spider Man. <laughs> yeah, we'll see you soon. December. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast (laughs) 
Welcome back to Phase Zero, episode 45. I hope my hotel Wi-Fi is keeping up here because this is the part where I'm going to be talking a lot more because the special guest is gone and it is on us now. First of all, thank you to Andy Park for coming on the show. That was a great interview. Really happy we were able to... Uh, pull that off and he had some really cool stuff to say um, and also I do want to just shout out Adam and Jenna who I had to message earlier this week and just say like hey guys I need more help with this than I would usually ask for and they came up with a lot of those questions and put a lot of that stuff into a document that we were pulling those questions from so thank you guys for that uh, for that help and you guys did a great job in that interview as well um, and thanks to everybody who's listening and watching you guys are super supportive and encouraging Lizard at 226 alright let's do it yep. uh, Spider-Man No Way Home trailer dropped last night uh, I, I'm going to start off by just telling you guys about that event uh it was i was expecting chaos i was like oh my gosh i don't i don't have i don't know what to expect this is coming together so fast what's going on it was actually really well organized really well done by sony hats off to them for pulling off a nice safe fun and fun event with a great energy um they had a few hundreds maybe over a thousand i don't know how big the theater was there was a lot of people there um and tom holland came out hosted by koi jandro uh, who did a good job hosting it. Uh, Tom was really fun to hear from. It's interesting. Like he's finally starting to spill some stuff about the movie. A lot of those clips are on the phase zero Twitter account. Uh, I'm sure many of you have seen them already. Uh, and then they played the trailer and then they played the trailer again. And that was it. And it was just, it was just really cool to be in that environment and to see this for the first time with all that kind of extra energy that comes from it. Like the biggest fans. I mean, somebody flew in from Florida. Like there was energy in that room. People wanted wow. to be there. People wanted to see the trailer. It was a really special, uh, cool, fun thing to be a part of. Um, and so I know obviously most people who, wanted to watch the trailer couldn't be in that room fortunately the trailer released online so i recorded the audio and i paired it with the hd version of the trailer because i remember all of those avengers endgame movie theater reactions that went viral and they those were kind of leaked before the movie was uh (laughs) released so i don't think that would have been like if this trailer wasn't getting released i wouldn't have been able to do this but so we got the same trailer same exact trailer in the theater that we got online so i was able to pair it and share like what that excitement looked like and sounded like and if you want to see that that's also on the phase zero twitter account and you can go find that video and hear what that theater sounded like for each big reveal and moment of that trailer uh and speaking of those big reveals and moments i'm going to shut up now and let you guys talk about it uh adam what well you tell me about your thoughts and reactions to this trailer let me ask first does does phase zero need like a heel like can i turn heel right now <gasps> jim is already our heel jim's already the heel. So, jim we, needs a cellmate go ahead. yeah go so ahead here's what I'm, I'm saying we've waited months and months and months and months <laughs> me and the rest of the hashtag save daredevil community and we got zero Charlie Cox, <laughs> no Charlie Cox, no Daredevil, no Matt Murdock. Throw the whole thing in the trash, you know. <laughs> Just throw it all straight in the garbage. Throw it right in the. No, uh, it, it was all right. It was all right. It was all right. It was it was good. It would have been better with Charlie Cox. It was all right. Do you really think Charlie Cox is in the movie for more than like a scene? No, I don't care. That's plenty of Charlie Cox but you for me. But you would have. Like, you would have. If it, let's assume it's only one scene, it might be a little bit more. I don't. I don't think he has a mm-hmm. huge role. Let's say it's just one scene. Would you still want it to see like the con- even if it's out of context, just that one bit, like a, a frame from that bit, or would you like rather have that in theater? You'd rather one have a frame, now? half a frame, his forearms. I would have took his forearm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Come on, whatever. It's it, no. It was. It was good. It was. Yeah, it, no, you can't. You can't walk this back. You're already getting selled with with 
Jim That's Biscardi. Fine. You know what? I'm going to go full heel then. No, I'm not even going to watch it. I'm going to boycott Spider-Man No Way Home unless <laughs> yeah, right. they give me a Matt Murdock character poster by my birthday. <laughs> that you, they, you want you to, they better send you to the theater with Charlie Cox to watch the movie together. Well, I, I tweeted the night before that I was going to even small down my sizes. I'm not going to get the biggest size of popcorn anymore. I promised my followers, all thousand of them on Twitter, that if Charlie Cox was not in the trailer, I would only get a large instead of a jumbo. So now, because of Sony's <laughs> negligence of not putting Charlie Cox in the trailer, there's going to be a movie theater out there that's going to be hurting because they'll be without the money. So it's. Uh, they knew you made them aware. You they, know, they knew what they were doing. I don't think Sony follows me on who's, who's the con who do, uh, does Sony follow you on Twitter? Do how's how Sony do I get Sony to follow me? They do. Yeah. I do. I, I know that one of the Sony pictures accounts follow me. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to have to drop a DM and be like, whoever you are, this is <laughs> look what you've done. The economy, the stonks are down. So uh-huh. yeah, that's it. It's, it's a wrap, man. We could have, it's a, any Jenna, what, <laughs> what did you think of the trailer? Let me just say, Jim is calling me out in the chat for calling him a heel. Jim, you literally played wrestling music. Like the second time you were on the show yeah. or like heel and, wrestling yeah. music, Eric Bischoff. Yeah. <laughs> like like it's part of the fun is that Jim is in jail um every so often. But no, going back to the trailer. I I don't disagree no, with that. No, 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 no. I'm cutting I'm stopping this. Jim is backstage. Oh, I was going to say where oh, is Jim? Oh, no, oh, he's boy. in jail. Richard, don't do it. Richard, don't do it. <laughs> oh no. Well, ready for this? Watch this. Oh no. I got I was I was about to hit the button. I was just <laughs> <laughs> Jim is out. Everybody who's listening to this in podcast form is so confused. Jim, there we go. You have you have, you have thirty seconds. What do you want? Oh, he's silent. He doesn't know he's on the show. He's frozen. Yeah. Am I frozen or is Jim frozen? What's going on here? He's frozen. I think he's frozen. Jim's frozen. Jim's internet Jim cut frozen. out. My hotel Wi-Fi is better than the Wi-Fi at Jim's house. Let that sink in. <laughs> All right. Jenna, what do you think of the uh, what do you think of the trailer? I enjoyed the trailer a lot. I can understand the frustration from people about whether or not certain characters should or should not have been in the trailer. I'm not so much speaking to the Matt Burdock of it all. I'm speaking to the other two characters. But I tweeted about this last night. They have given you all of the clues that they could give you before this movie comes out. I would rather have this movie kind of hint in so many different ways that certain things we want to happen are going to happen than just blowing all of the surprise and just having that out already. So for what the trailer was, it gave me so much more with the villains. I love the comic accurate electro costume. I think that looks so cool. Um, There are so many elements of it that I wasn't expecting to see, even just the plot of the movie of what the different villains are doing there and how Peter and strange have to deal with that. I am so excited for that because it's not at all what I was expecting for the movie. So it did exactly what I would have wanted to, which is make me more excited about the movie. Even as there's so many rumors and debates and leaks and discourse, I still am finding myself so hyped for this movie. So it succeeded on that front. Yeah, I'm with you. And there we go. um, There's Jim. (laughs) Hold on one second. Hold on one second, Jim. I got to agree with you. Before the trailer played, I said uh, that I wanted it to show me something new, but not show me everything and just get me excited by that. I was like, how will it do that? I don't know. 
but that's not my job. I just want to be on the receiving end of showing me something new and not showing me the whole movie. And I really feel like it did that. And if we look close enough, there's more details that are going to give away more of the movie and more stuff that seems to be removed. And we'll get into that. But I thought it was yep. a fantastic trailer. I was kind of wondering, am I just kind of excited by the fact <laughs> that I am in this theater with uh, like a mm. thousand people who are howling and excited? Because I remember I watched Game of Thrones finale, a live event that was full of people who thought we were all excited. And then we all thought about it. We were like, that kind of sucked. <laughs> so uh, it turns out the, the trailer was actually as good as it felt in the moment. Uh, so yeah, I'm excited with it. And now we've all shared our reactions. We get into some dissection after we hear from somehow broke out of his cell Scardi. uh i'm gonna take a second just to say i do not appreciate the disparagement lodged my way unbelievable this was a what? good trailer it was it, this was a good trailer it was not a great trailer wow <laughs> you said it was a good jim jim this trailer, this is, this I think, I, but I agree with you. This trailer do, gives everything that you need to not need another trailer. Yeah. Like, I know yeah. like, like Adam wants to see Charlie Cox. I know everyone wants to see Toby and Andrew, but let's be really like, like let's again, we talk on this show all the time, managing expectations, right? Mm-hmm. Got to manage the expectations. Here. You got to remember these trailers, posters, etc. They're not for us. Mm-hmm. They're for literally someone sitting in the theater Watching something else uh, and and being like, oh, Spider Man movie coming out. I like Spider Man. Oh, wait a minute, is that Doc Ock? I like Doc Ock. That's great. Um, and go from there. They don't need to give the payday, you know, the payoff of the other two Spider Man, and the, give that away in a trailer or some of the other big surprises. It sounds like you're saying away. the trailer was great. It sounds to me like you're saying the trailer was great. You're saying uh, the trailer. Didn't the this, trailer. I have no idea it. what the story it, is about. That's that, that's the biggest. Right. That's the biggest problem. It's I about he's trying to has. save these villains, and Doctor Strange is telling them, "Well, they're going to die no matter what," because Spider Man actually wants to save people. He's doing something accurate. I for think once. I think you're inferring way more of that than actual than that trailer actually tells you. Because like I mean yes, like he did we he watch like the same trailer. S- I mean yes. sure, but like why is Doc Ock being Hannibal Lecter in jail? They like you know, uh, mm-hmm. you know. Telling them, mm. telling them where I, to go. I don't need, I don't need to know all of that. I got the gist. They <laughs> capture him. He's gonna be like, "Yo, I'm from another world." I, I don't know. I w- was underwater and then I was here. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, all right. So Jim hates the trailer. Uh, <laughs> if the people the trailer. who interpreted my internal Eternals review have anything to say about it, Jim hated the trailer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, all right. Let's talk some theories, some details and stuff like that, because we are closing in on an hour here already uh, because Andy Park was genuinely so damn interesting. Uh, A lot of people think Green Goblin is not going to be in the movie very long. They think we're seeing a lot of Green Goblin footage and he's going to die. That's a common thing I'm seeing on Twitter. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's true. I think Andy or Andy, I'm just reading comments. I think (laughs) Willem Dafoe uh, will be playing. Uh, Mr. Osborne a bit more than what we saw in the trailer. I think they're really saving some stuff. And I wouldn't be shocked if if that money shot at the end with the three villains coming at one Spider-Man, as was in the trailer, has more villains and Spider-Mans. And Green Goblin is one of those characters in that, right? Like, what do you? No, no we're not going to Jim. Adam, you're you're the closest to the top of the screen. Not named Jim. I, uh, no, I agree with that. I'm going to say, I bet you Doc Ock is out of the movie and done by like five minutes into the second act. I think we've seen most of all of his 
scenes already, right? He comes through somehow and he destroys the bridge, the bridge that we've seen in every single picture. Um, and then he gets thrown in uh, sorcerer gel or sorcerer prison. And then, uh, I mean, we saw him with the nanotech, right? And we know nanotech can heal or it can at least heal a cut in the abdomen. So maybe it heals his neural link. So now he's not even bad anymore. I think but, I mean, the nanotech... That in Spider- <laughs> In oh, Spider-Man I, 2, when, oh. when Doc Ock went down, he kind of went down realizing the error in his ways and was down to mm-hmm. help Peter Parker. So it's going to I don't know how that's like the, the idea of it being a continuation makes it really tricky. And maybe he's not a villain throughout this film. Right. That's and exactly he, what I've been thinking is that like he's going to have a much more like he either through seeing the error of his ways or just maybe they plucked him from a time that is slightly before when he fell into the river. And he does have a better outlook on Peter Parker and the idea of Peter Parker, even if he's meeting one that isn't the one he's used to. Meanwhile, like Goblin just does not like Peter. Like we know he he spent three movies hating Toby. So it's like, I can see him being the main villain of the movie in the context of hating Peter, hating whatever Spider-Man trying to stop that Spider-Man. But I do like the idea of Doc Ock, even if this is the majority of what we've seen of him is going to be what's in the movie. I like the idea of him kind of shifting sides a little bit because that's just kind of fun to see, especially with Alfred Molina. I think the nanotech is a, is a bit of a red herring. I think the, or not a red herring. I think it's a misdirection. If anything else, I don't think that is Ock like built his like arms have nanotech or whatever. I think that's nanotech from, uh, Peter's suit. It, I think that's yeah, what actually. Right. I think that's what breaks yeah, him down and I, inevitably gets him captured. Yeah. Uh, you think that that's not enhancing his suit? You think it's like no, locking I it think up? It's, I think it is. I think it's gumming his suit up, and that's inevitably mm-hmm. what lands him in as Adam puts it. That's an interesting thought, Jim. You said your valuable <laughs> note for the day. <laughs> now you can go. No, I'm just kidding. You're welcome, I, You're I will welcome just say, But congratulations on having a cellmate in Adam. <laughs> Jenna, go ahead. I will just say, I'm glad that the nanotech seems to be that sort of thing, because when I saw that the, the tentacles were more stark colored, I was like, oh no, are they going to retcon it to where it's like, oh, my good friend Tony Stark gave me the technology. <sighs> oh, no, yeah, no. Does Tony Stark <laughs> like, exist in the Raimi-verse? I was, I was half expecting that they would find some sort of way to tie this back to Tony, and I was like, I hate this. I don't want this. So I like it that it's almost by accident. Like, that is so much more interesting. So do you think Dr. Strange is trying to send all these villains back to their timelines so For they sure. can live out their fates? Yes. Because yes. But, uh, see, that would seemingly be very ineffective because we already <laughs> saw it play out. Like unless they are, they leave at the moment of their death and then mm-hmm. get sent back to their death. Like the stories would have been impacted unless these are just creating, I don't know. They got a, a lot of heavy lifting to do in accepting and bi- when you build timelines and multiverse stuff, like that get that can get really sticky and really convoluted and they got a lot of explaining to do on how that's working unless these aren't the ones from the other movies but variants of them but then that opens up a whole other box of- and that's but that's probably what i'm I like i'm banking on i think these are variants that look like those ones and aren't those i hope not yeah i hope not I don't want because then if, if Toby and Andrew, when they, you know, let's just, we come on, we all expect them to be in the movie. Maybe they're not, maybe we're all wrong. But if Toby <laughs> and Andrew show up and they're not just continuations of those characters, it is just kind of like, mm-hmm. uh, what, what's the point? Other than the fact that, yeah, it is very cool to see that I want them to be continuations. I spent time with them over 20 years. Uh, I, I know those stories, I know those characters. 
I've been hosting quarantine watch parties. I want to see continuations of the stories. Uh, yeah, it's got. I hope it's continuations, but I do think that maybe, maybe they're just variants. But I think that would be a disappointment. Um, I want. I, I watched a screen crush video today that had all these Easter eggs in it. Uh, one of them. One of the things that they pointed out was that when Doctor Strange cast the spell, there are four rings. And he thinks maybe that's represent, representing four universes, which would be the Raimi verse, the web verse, the MCU and the Sony, which is where Venom and Ooh. Morbius are. So that's an interesting thing to think about. Well, I mean, technically Venom's in the MCU, right? I just like to no, point that out every chance I can. He's not. He is absolutely, <laughs> I mean, he is Pat, not. Brandon, we both watched the movie. Uh, no, now Venom. We know he is. Yeah. I don't, we don't think he ended up there. He, I think he got ported. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He was right. not always there. Venom the movie and ninety nine point nine percent of Venom let there be okay. carnage. The not good <laughs> all right, parts. All right. We're, yeah, we're gonna technicalities, right? Like in the present timeline, Venom is uh, in the MCU. Well, just... Is I I hope Venom is in this movie. And I hope I he looks at Spider Man and just says the last like the number. last Sinister Six member is gonna be Mysterio. And my theory is is that the Mysterio is be, has been uh, pretending to be Doctor Strange in some parts of this movie, and like that's part of the whole big, uh, the whole big thing, and we get Mysterio to come back. So it's all multiverse think- beta again, and none of them are real. And Mysterio just happened uh, to make a Doc Ock that looked like Alfred Merlina. No, no, no. I think I think Mysterio will in some parts like pretend to be Doctor Strange, and then like and then you have like you have the full like if. If they're not real vil- villains or variants or people from another universe, I will throw this movie out faster than I launched The Last of Us Part 2 out my window about an hour into it. And then I ended up playing it anyway, so I'll probably finish the movie. Uh, but, you know, I don't think... Uh, Look, I, I think I think maybe... I don't know. Mysterio... Mysterio was one of the first people to, to mention a multiverse, so he clearly I'll tell you why I don't exists. think Mysterio's he in the movie. be Puppet Master. I'll tell you why I don't think Mysterio's in the movie, because everything else about this movie has leaked. Yeah. <laughs> and there's been no word about Jake Gyllenhaal. So that's really the only, like under normal circumstances, it could, it if could I just was be like, because no one cares as much. No, we Sorry. love Jake Gyllenhaal. We, we stand Jake, Jake in Gyllenhaal. this house. Come on. Uh, I mean, no. Can I just say two things? If Mysterio is in this movie, I hope he returns his scarf. Um, if <laughs> no one else is getting the Taylor Swift reference, but I'll just throw that out there. Um, I do think Venom is in this movie, but it'll probably be a post credit scene thing because yeah. there is that it feels like you still have that thread and knowing how Kevin Feige was involved with that thread, you don't put him in the MCU and then just completely ignore that until later when you're throwing every other component of Spider-Man lore in this movie. So I feel like even if he's not one of the Sinister Six, he's still just going to like barrel in in a post credit scene and just be like, where's the red one? I want to eat him. Oh, this this stuff happened? Okay. I don't know. And then it'll just go into the next thing. Like that is yeah, my I theory. Mean, I could see that. I could also see Venom showing up because he's a very heavily CGI'd character uh, and you could get away with it, and we might not find out. Might, it might yeah. not been. It might have been kept a secret because you can not have Tom Hardy there necessarily, and he is a, the sixth member of the Sinister Six. And ultimately, in Sandman Sinister Six in the comics, uh, he helps take down the Sinister Six. So I think Venom being like the anti-hero hero guy from his universe, it's in character for him to have seen that newscast, think he's stopping a bad guy in Peter Parker Spider-Man. And then ultimately learn the truth and help take down the Sinister Six. That, I think that could be cool, but I don't know if he's gonna what capacity he's gonna have in this movie at all. And that may like the my skepticism from even saying that out loud is that you know that's a big role uh, mm-hmm. that for for it to have been preserved a secret this well. But there has been so much attention on the other things that maybe it did just slip under the radar. Um, 
I do want to shout out Dr. Strange and his brain and his sorcery evolving to be so big and amazing that uh, he can just make Peter web himself through two portals. Very well done. That was cool. Um, and I also what's want to shout box? out. This is kind of what's, what's I know. This, what's the box? I don't know. What's in the mother box? I don't know. Maybe the that's the crossover. <laughs> it's a mother box. Dark side is. Uh, Gwen Stacy's soul is in the box. And he's uh, trying to give it back to Andrew. That's, so that's another theory I wanted to bring up. If it's Andrew that saves MJ, does that kind of cheapen the the mood? I mean, if Andrew I, pops up then to save MJ falling, is I, I mean, don't should think it, it cheapens be? it at all. I think it's like retribution for the way that his movies right. ended. It's like the note that we ended on with Amazing Spider-Man Two was so depressing that mm-hmm. I I think he's earned the ability to like okay. do right by that. Right. What about the Hobgoblin? That we think we saw. Well, so Ned's yeah. dangling off like the scaffolding and that thing. So Ned's totally, who's dying? Someone's dying. I think it has to be Ned. I I, I hope not. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't want any of them to die, but I guess mm-hmm. if I had to pick one, <laughs> I don't know. But no, I'm talking about that, that shot of the moon where, mm-hmm. where it seems like there's a goblin flying into it, but it looks different from the green goblin we see up close. Uh, I mean, our, we're, we're just assuming that's Willem Dafoe, right? Yeah, I think he's yeah. going to just have more than one costume, like based off of things I've seen. That seems like a possibility. So, yeah. yeah. Makes for more comment section. Pops. Exactly. I'm with the comment section. If, uh, if Ned dies, that's going to be tragic. It will yeah, be. It's just like, they're not going to kill Peter Parker or MJ. We kind of like, right? Nobody yeah. thinks that's... Um, I thought, I, I see the comment here from uh, a bunch of letters and numbers. I'm sorry, you're it's not easier <laughs> to say because it's just... A, like a code, but Dane DeHaan, my first reaction was that does look like Dane DeHaan, but I don't think, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know. That would be, uh, that's a bit of a stretch. I think to think he's in this movie, he's one of the people who denied it. And I believed them. Uh, and then also I did the, the hot toys reveal of the new spider suit, the integrated suit. If you guys haven't seen the picture of that, it's on the phase zero Twitter account. I highly recommend checking that out. And so to wrap up today's show, I just want to play the audio <laughs> from the theater. Can you guys hear this? Can you guys hear that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was insane. Uh, I'm not going to waste two minutes here playing it. Also, we did not talk about Lizard. Right. Lizard oh, yeah. in the Brazilian cut, not getting punched by John yes. Cena, as, as the entire internet has joked. He's getting punched by somebody who is not there. Yeah, it was... Peculiar. Lizard 226. Yep. Uh, that was interesting. For everybody wondering, there is just a, a video. I think it's on the Brazilian Twitter accounts for this movie. There is a slightly extended, slightly just too long version of that fight where the villains are soaring towards Spider-Man and Lizard is just soaring forward. And then all of a sudden his head gets popped to the right by his, <laughs> or the, his left by seemingly nothing at all. So, uh, I don't know. This reminds me of when Spider-Man was not in the Civil War trailers. Mm-hmm. And then he was. So. Um, oh, I feel bad making this joke, but it's probably oh, Andrews no. Garfield's because, you know, Lizard's neck's not going to be the first one he breaks. But, oh, Adam, uh, jail. jail. I apologize. Jail. I, apologize. I had to say it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Rip 
Adam Barnhart. Wow, the comment section is on fire. Um, <laughs> Someone had to well, say what a way to end today's show. Uh, I listen, I, I want to thank everybody for a great show today. Real chunky show. We ran over here because it was worth it. We had stuff to talk about, and we love having stuff to talk about. Next week is Hawkeye. The episodes will be out. So we'll be talking about those first two. I've seen the first two. I've shared my thoughts on them. I think they're a lot of fun. I think the best is yet to come. Uh, thank you to everybody for all the kind words on social media after seeing that I got to host that Hawkeye virtual press conference. There's been a lot of great content on our site and several other sites just on what was said in that press conference. Um, that was followed by interviews with the Hawkeye cast director producers that will be coming to comicbook.com. I actually just received the video files for that when we were starting this show today. Uh, and also at the Spider-Man event, if you're listening to this, so many people came up said they love phase zero. That means where a lot of people were like, I've been listening since January. They've called out like favorite episodes and stuff. So thank you all for listening to the show. Thank you all for supporting us. Everybody who came out and said, you know, thank you that you hope my mom's doing well. I, it still blows my mind that so many people connect with us in any way that you guys really follow us and know what's going on in our lives. It's still weird that some of that stuff is like so public, but that's kind of part of the job. Um, and I guess that's a choice that I, I do share that stuff with you guys because I, I love connecting with everybody on here and it means the world when you guys uh, share support and encouragement. The bottom line here is thank you so much for all your support, everybody. Uh, and uh, Jenna, if you have any uh, closing words for today, you're free to go with it. Um, follow me on Twitter at Hey, it's Jenna Lynn. I also do have one small theory I'm going to throw out here. I think when Toby does show up in this movie, he's going to rip his mask off and, Peter, um, Tom Holland, Peter is going to be like Uncle Ben. I'm now convinced that that's going to happen. Oh, so I'm just throwing man. that out. There's no. a reason why we have not seen Uncle Ben yet. And I think that would be the best possible version is that Tobey Maguire in this universe was Ben. I'm just going to throw that out there. So, Jenna. but yeah, follow me on Twitter at Hey, it's Jenna Lynn. If you want to talk about that <laughs> or anything else. <laughs> Go follow Jenna. Go follow Jenna, everybody. Adam, any, uh, any closing words for today's episode of Phase Zero? Oh, man, just, you know, follow me on Twitter. Tweet, save, uh, hashtag save Daredevil. And uh, go stream Monkey now on Hulu. There it it's is. There it is. I highly recommend following Adam. Uh, we don't get him on Phase Zero enough because he does have a lot of great Marvel thoughts and just thoughts in general that he uh, I mean, to the throws chat, out into the awful, but, uh. <laughs> well today you. listen you incriminated yourself today sir you are in 4k okay <laughs> this is no, oh, man it's awesome you make a bad it, you it's sleep good. in it and then the, tw the comment section lights it on fire while you're sleeping so okay. that's today's show episode 45 thank you so much to andy park thank you to all our listeners if you want to hit me up at brandon davis bd uh jim is in jail for the rest of his life see you <laughs> next week